everybody welcome to the no name music cast my name's tim and this is joy and on this week's show it is uh, joy's turn to pick the topic and i know she's incredibly excited about this she's done research she's told me that she's really uh, happy that this is going on so joy over to you okay so one of my favorite episodes we did was the death conspiracy episode as tim knows so yes. I just thought I would add an extra layer. We're going to discuss just more crazy music conspiracy. No. <laughs> so, but I, I did a lot of research and found ones that are not common, not ones that I've, I've only heard of a few of them. Some that I specifically picked out because I thought Tim would find them interesting. And I have um, extensive notes on a bunch of conspiracies about musicians that I'm excited to talk about. So the first one we're going to talk about, have you ever heard if the Beatles, the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan formed a secret supergroup? Um, no, I know that the Rolling Stones had a concert in the 60s called the Rock and Roll Circus, which contained Beatles or well, contained John Lennon in particular. And it also contained the Rolling Stones. And I think Dylan was involved as well. But them conspiring to make a supergroup, I'm not super aware of that. So, in October of 1969, rock critic Grill, I guess how you say his name, Marcus, wrote, under a false name, mind you, so I don't even know this his name, an album review for the magazine The Rolling Stone, credited to The Mass Mortars. This record was apparently a studio jam featuring John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, and released anonymously because the artists were under contract to different labels, according to this rock critic. Um, it was all completely fake (laughs) (laughs) and it was a spoof of the bloated, the bloated, bloated. I don't know why I said it like that bloated supergroups of all time. This didn't stop editors of the magazine from hiring musicians to actually record the fake songs and release them on the album. They're not headlining album people though. It's just random musicians. And so they made a fake Basically, a fake editor pick of him reviewing this album said it was all these famous people said that they couldn't produce it because it was a they're all under different record labels. And then to top it all off, they decided they were even going to have people record the fake album. So you've never heard any of this from the Rolling Stones, Tim? No, no, I haven't. I know that I think we may have discussed this on the podcast before. On the White Album, the Beatles' White Album, my, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, the, the Leslie guitar on it is Eric Clapton. And on the original mm-hmm. pressings, it was credited as Andrio Mistrioso because he was under contract to a different label and the Beatles were on EMI Parlophone. I wonder if maybe that's where the joke comes from. Because I guess it was supposed to be kind of a joke that they said the super groups of the day and they thought people would get it, but it didn't quite go over. People thought it was a legit album. So maybe that's where the joke is kind of trying to fall from. So that was my first one. But I just thought it was interesting that they actually hired musicians to record the songs and release the album, which I didn't listen to, but I need to. Um, but from what I gathered reading the comments is they're not. It's kind of like when you we've said before, you go into the Halloween store and you hear a version of the thriller that's not quite Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was they're They're not. Um, they're the player six 
group or something, you know, doing their alternate versions of songs, which I want to know, did somebody actually write all the songs for that album? Because that's a lot of work. That's true. I mean, having studio players recreate that music in that style at that time would have been probably very easy because I think, again, we may have mentioned on here before, it used to be that you could go into Woolworths, which was a general store chain. Mm -hmm. I think, do you have Woolworths here as well? No, but I've seen it. I know what it is. I've seen on like yeah. the so we had, and, yeah. yeah, we had Woolworths in England. And you could you could either go into Woolworths and you could buy a seven inch single or an album of an artist, or you could buy these albums that were like that it was top of the pops brand and there was another yeah. brand that did it as well. And it was an album of sound alikes. So it would be the top of the pops band play the Beatles and top of the pops band play this. So those guys were out there doing that. So having a sound alike band create this music probably wouldn't have been a huge leap. But like you say, actually writing the tracks is a, is a, is a different thing. Yeah, that's a whole other that takes a whole other um, so I guess what they thought I always think they thought it was going to be kind of a prank I don't think they thought people were going to take it seriously but they did uh, maybe out of hopeful that there was an actual album out there you know with John Lennon, Paul McCartney Bob Dylan and Mick Jagger all on the same thing because that would be kind of cool um, but yeah anyway so that was the first one now this next one I picked specifically for Tim even though it is a little weird it's Debbie Harry so okay. I picked Debbie Harry for Tim because he's talked about her a few times and we've made jokes but this was, okay, I feel bad the next statement I'm going to make. The connection to her and Ted Bundy. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, and this is the first words it says, out of every theory on the list, this one's probably the most believable. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so, the reason it's the most believable, though, is Debbie Harry herself has reiterated its authenticity several times on record. So she hmm. has said this really happened sometime in the 70s. You know, Blondie was searching for a taxi late at night when she was offered by a man. Ted Bundy <laughs> drove her home um, after reluctantly accepting his offer and hopping into the car. Harry claims that she should really, really realize the car had no way to open the doors or locks from inside, which if you don't know that that's what Ted Bundy would do. He would like, he had like some type of mechanism so you could open your door or your window. Mm -hmm. Assuming the words, Harry, Harry made a desperate attempt to fly, flee the victim by forcing the door handle open somehow. I don't know how. Um, it's just by the exterior, but I don't know how she would have got her hands out. I don't know how that works. The exterior dare handle. Somehow she got all of it. Um, Bundy, who witnessed her struggling, made a sharp turn in his car, which supposedly flung the door open and Harry spilled out on the street unharmed and lived to tell the story. Harry would later join, uh, join the dots together after reading about Bundy the day of his execution and has pled that this actually happened to her. Um, given that Bundy's dead and there's really no reason for her to fake it, I don't know why she would lie about it. No, I mean, I mean, why would she make that story up? It's not like a cool story. Like, yeah, well, I'm, I was in a jam session with John Lennon. It's not that sort of cool story. <laughs> why would you? Well, there's no reason why you would make that up. So, okay, well, let's think about this. What time frame? Well. If he was executed in 89, was Ted Bundy was like 60s to 70s, right? I think so. What time frame was Blondie's height of her career? Because I feel like I've always associated her with the 70s. Yeah, it, it was 70s, but 80s and also 90s. I mean, Blondie had a renaissance in the late yeah. 90s, early 2000s, but 
that I think they were more a kind of a punk band at the beginning of their incarnation. Mm-hmm. They was all in that Studio 54 scene in New York City. That's and what then, I've always thought too. And then they ended up that they ended up with sort of more kind of reggae, punky type stuff. And then as you got into the late 70s, early 80s, they became more of a pop act. Yeah, and Blondie's a very talented singer, by the way. I'm just going to say it. Her voice is very hard for someone to, I guess, mimic as a fellow singer. Like, her pitch is so, like, she's got such a nice, like, flowy head voice. She has a, her music's very hard to replicate, like, singing-wise. Blondie's a very talented singer. But, what I was, well, I guess I should say Debbie here. But what I was getting at, though, is... So if she's saying sometime in the 70s, I wonder if it was pre her being famous or post, because you would think Ted Bundy might not necessarily pick up somebody that's a famous person because it might draw attention. I don't know, but maybe she has or had a an assumed name for hotels and for taxis and things like that. Yeah. Because I know I think we've covered it before. Uh, Paul McCartney's um, name that he would give in hotels was Paul Ramone, which is where yeah. the Ramones get their name from. So I don't know if her name it would be just like Deb. I mean, I don't even know if Harry is even her real name. Yeah, I don't either. But and so that was just interesting to me because I was trying to think. But then again, and this is not she has that you know iconic blonde hair, and she was kind of you know she had the look for the girls he liked. That, that kind of you know beachy kind of look um and that was like in in the 70s and stuff but i don't know i just thought that was super interesting and i picked that for you tim because we've talked about debbie harry a few times on the podcast yeah I, I, I again this is thus far you are stumping me with this stuff i thought my rock and roll trivia of game was strong my true crime game is stronger. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Now, Tim's very extensive with his rocker. But this was just interesting because I thought, I was like, we haven't really we talked a little bit about this. And of course, while I was bringing this up, um, Paul McCartney's, you know, rebirth and how he died and is not actually alive came up about a thousand times. But we talked about that one, so I skipped it. And Avril Levine, apparently, you know, she died and came back to life. Those were the two big ones that I've seen consistently that I skipped because we kind of hit on them before. Uh, I wish we could get them on the show so they could tell us that they're actually themselves. Well, I mean, if if Paul, if Paul McCartney is free, I mean, I know that he's um, he's not. I don't think he's touring at the moment. So if he wants to spend an hour with us on a Wednesday night, I mean, Paul, if you're out there listening, I mean, you're more than welcome. Come and, oh, yeah. come and, come, come and talk about your McCartney three reimagined album or something. I don't know. Anything you like. Wings, whatever you want. Yes, exactly. We we would literally just sit here and let you talk the entire time, and me and Ted would just smile and nod. <laughs> Nobody would have to hear our voices at all. <laughs> okay, that might be the one we put the actual video <laughs> of us talking <laughs> up. All right, so this one was this one's just kind of random, and then I thought the headline for it was funny. It's called "Dark Side of the Rainbow." So Pink Floyd obviously is where we're going with this, but. Apparently there is a, and it's, it called it stoner, specifically for, for, ugh, folklore. I can't say that word. Tim, say it better. That word. <laughs> I okay. I literally can't pronounce that word, but anyway, I thought, I thought it was stoner. I didn't know that that they had their own lore, <laughs> <laughs> but they do. It is said that dark side of the moon, there's a myth that the 1973 album, um, <laughs> syncs up perfectly with the 1939 um, cinematic classic, The Wizard of Oz. 
So supposedly, if you play Dark Side of the Moon at the same time as The Wizard of Oz, all the like the music matches the, uh, what's happening on screen perfectly. Of course, in theory, it has been debunked. And even Pink Floyd with engineer Alan Parsons claimed the band didn't even have a video projector during the time <laughs> they made that album. So they would not have been projecting a movie for anyone to see. Well, so I have an edit of this on my computer in my archive. And apparently the way that you make it sync up, it's the third roar of the MGM lion. And then you start Dark Side of the Moon. And Dark Side of the Moon runs for 38, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. And yeah. um, The Wizard of Oz is almost a two hour film. However, for those 45 minutes, I've watched this. And it, <laughs> <Tim's done> it. <laughs> and it does sort of sync up like great gig in the sky when she's singing a and like the house is spinning in the in the tornado. Oh, wherever that, it is. Yeah. And then when it lands. Yeah. And, go, and goes into color, the song finishes. There's another oh. bit where the Tin Man is moving his head left to right like this. Like, I don't know what the part of the scene was. And there's, I forget which song it is, but there's one song where Dave Gilmore's guitar goes, bow, bing, bow, bing, bow, and it's panned left, right, left, right. And it matches up. So, you know, what's interesting to me. Not that that does it, that that works in some way, because I mean, the chance, like, first of all, the Wizard of Oz is kind of a, grandiose kind of like large you know larger than life kind of movie that album's really all over the place psychedelics i see how it kind of you know what i mean couldn't mm -hmm. actually if you try who was the person though who was the first person who was watching the wizard of oz and said you know what i think okay when that lion roars the third time <laughs> i'm gonna press play on this album and let's see what happens like how did the first person know to put those two together that's my question I would imagine someone who was relaxing with some chemical enhancement and it happened to be on the TV and they were playing Dark Side of the Moon and it was too, uh, too relaxed to turn the TV off and mm. notice that it, it, it married up. That, that, that would be my theory, at least. Yeah, because all I'm saying is I've never been watching a movie and thought, let me put my Dolly Parton album on and see if it matches <laughs> completely to this movie. It's just not something that I've done. Maybe, well, Tim, maybe if uh, I put on like David Hasselhoff's Night Rocker at the same time as Moonraker. <laughs> I don't know. Will, will, it, will, it, will it match up? I don't know. We'll let you follow up on that this weekend and tell us next week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just an interesting. I just love that you've actually tried it. Well, not, not only have I tried it, I, when I first was aware of this, I acquired it and it was already pre-synced. And in huh. fact, I actually still have the file, which has the, the film and the audio together. And there's there's other schools of thought about if you play Dark Side of the Moon again after it finishes for the first time, bits of it will then match up after the fact. But and there's some debate where you need to start it again and how many seconds you have to wait before you start it again and... It's a thing, but I've only ever gone as far as the whole album up to the end. And I will say there are, as I said, there are several parts where it does match up. Hmm. But the question would be, if you played anything, would bits of it match up? Eventually, at some point, if you play enough things together, they could correlate and you'll hear what you want to hear. Just like we'll see a face in the background or something if we want to see a face in the background. That's why you hear you see ghosts, you know, on paranormal videos and things like that. 
Exactly. But but as I said, I think I'm going to run that experiment with the classic Hasselhoff album, Night Rocker, and the best film ever made, Moonraker, because I'm sure when the Hoff was making Night Rocker, he was probably watching Moonraker at the same time. Um, I don't know. I haven't confirmed that with him, but it's probably it's probable. It seems accurate, Tim. <laughs> seems accurate. All right. Well, I was not expecting Tim to have actually done that one. Of course, we did. We kind of didn't talk about it. It's, it's not. I guess the Wizard of Oz is a musical, so we could talk about it on a music podcast. You know the theory of the uh, Munchkin who hangs himself on the tree, right? I yes, I, I've heard of that one. Apparently it's not true, but supposedly that, and I've never tested it, but on older versions of the Wizard of Oz, you can see it. And then they cut it in some of the newer versions of the Wizard of Oz. Mm. I've done a whole lot of research on that, but that's what they say. But from what I've gathered, if you look it up, it sounds like it was just like the way it flashes where the munchkin's at and the tree, it just kind of looked weird. Hmm. I don't know though. I do know another interesting film fact, even though I don't really like films, but you know, um, <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the, the original yeah. one. Yeah. So when they go into the Chocolate Factory, when you first see that all the kids and they open the doors and they see the set, see, they see the Chocolate Factory set. Apparently, mm-hmm. they didn't let any of those kids see that set being built or see it before that take because they wanted all of those kids to, to see this amazing set. Yeah. And and have the wonder. Oh, smart. The other thing is in that set, there is a there's a river made of chocolate. Yeah. And apparently they didn't use any other chemicals. They actually used chocolate powder to make it chocolatey. So, again, the first day on the set, they open the doors and the sets there and this river of chocolate and you could smell chocolate on the soundstage. And it was a beautiful thing. Hmm. However, day 14 when that stuff was like going off apparently it was the most rancid smell you've ever smelled in your life i could imagine i was starting to wonder about i was like how long did they keep actual chocolate on sex that could be a rough time yeah i don't know i don't know how long the shoot was for for that particular part on that soundstage but i'm but it was i know it was weeks and like none of them even wanted to go anywhere near that set towards the end because it stunk so bad well, Lady Gaga said that that was the problem with her meat dress, too, at the Brammies. It started to smell pretty bad as the night went on. Thing is, wouldn't you have that meat cured in salt or something? I guess not, because she said it was terrible. Like, as the night went on, it was her worst decision she's ever made. It, it felt terrible. She felt bad for everybody sitting near her. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the other question, so maybe you can answer this one about this meat dress. I mean, my understanding is of Lady Gaga. I don't know much about her, if I'm being honest. But okay. my understanding is she's very sort of pro-LGBT. She's very pro, I would assume, animal rights and pro all the things that folks like that are into. I'm assuming. Yeah. So why did she have a dress made of meat? I, she would be the kind, I don't know this for a fact, but she strikes me as the kind of person who would maybe be involved with Peter or similar. Um, so it was a protest. The meat dress was supposed to be a protest um, against don't ask, don't tell in the military. Um, it was not supposed to be this. No, she, I don't know if she's vegetarian. I don't know if she's vegan. I don't know. I feel like she probably is because she is um, into some animal rights and things like that. But from what I understand was it was supposed to be, I've heard two different things that it was, I'm more than the flesh or something like that. And so like, I'm more than just a piece of meat. 
and it was supposed to be a protest for don't ask, don't tell in the military. That's I mean, what she explained. I mean, if I was making that protest myself, wouldn't you have some kind of military uniform and do it in rainbow stripes? I mean... I, I don't know. I'm just, that's know. the first thing that came off the top. I, my, my brain doesn't go to making a meat dress. That's, that's the way I would approach that situation, but I don't know. So here's the thing. She is vegan. I didn't Google that. She is vegan. So that's kind of ironic. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird to me. She says the idea was I am more than just a piece of flesh, which is where the meat comes from. So in her mind, that translated into a meat dress. The other thing is, She's known for her outrageous clothes. And maybe if she just wore a, you know, a rainbow suit, it might not satisfy that other side of being the grandiose, larger than life fashion person she is. So, of course, Hmm. she had to upscale it. There's my other theory. But, yeah, that's where it comes from. Well, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's a uh, there's a no name music house exclusive of something that happened ten <laughs> odd years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but anybody was wondering about the meat dress on Lady Gaga. The, n- right. the, new, the news as it happens, breaking news here on the No Name Music Cast. <laughs> yes, we're talking about movies from the 1930s, serial killers from the 70s. <laughs> really bringing it home, but. You know, we did think about this, Tim. She may have just won a meat raffle and had to do something with the meat. Because, you know, my theory is that it's a very inconvenient gift. So she just put it around herself to hold on to it for the night. She could be. She could have been in the Royal British Legion Club in Hanworth. She could have won the raffle. She really wanted the the bottle of Aspie Spumante uh, sparkling (laughs) wine. Or maybe, maybe she wanted the, I don't know, the fruit basket. But no. She got the meat. She won the meat raffle. Yay. And like I said, I still think to this day that would be the most un- inconvenient gift. Not only is it inconvenient because I don't eat meat anymore, but it's inconvenient because what do you do with it? Like, do I have to put my pint of beer down and then go take the meat out to my car? <laughs> still, I still need to know logistics. If anybody in the podcast um, listener area of no name, if you have won a meat raffle, please fill me in on the details because I'm still very curious. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's, I say it's times like this. I wish my granddad was still alive. I still wish my granddad was alive generally. But there's times like this when I wish I could get on the phone to him and say, granddad, you had meat raffles at the British Legion Club. Explain the logistics. <laughs> <laughs> just put them on, just record it and put it in the middle of the podcast. So we can finally answer the age old question of the meat raffle. All right. <laughs> this one was, Tim, this one's, this one's hot off the presses right here. Justin Bieber, he's actually a lizard. Hmm. He's one of those lizard people. A shape shifting lizard. So are you aware? Of the, are you aware of who David Icke is? No. All right. So David Icke was a soccer player of the seventies. Okay. And, I, and as with a lot of sports stars, when they when they're no longer a sports star through injury or you know they they're too old or whatever to, to be a sports star, they go okay. into t- they go into TV presenting. Of course. And, and David Icke was a was quite a famous and renowned sports reporter and sort of celebrity of the seventies, eighties, etc., etc. Anyway, he had, I think in hindsight, he had some kind of mental breakdown or some kind of mental illness or needed some help, something like that. Okay. So 
he was known by a lot of people who he was. And he went on the television show Wogan. And Wogan was a program like the David Letterman show that was on at six or seven o'clock. And it was the same format as David Letterman chat show bits, the whole thing like that. And he famously went on Wogan dressed in a purple shell suit, claiming to be the son of God. And the audience was laughing at him because because they thought it was some kind of spoof prank thing mm. because this guy was so well known. And Wogan had to stop him talking and say, no, David, they're not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. And it was really, really awkward. awkward. <laughs> so anyway, after a while, this purple thing prevailed. And then he became a bit of a thing on the conspiracy circuit where he claimed that your Rothschilds and your royals and all that, all those kind of people yeah. were, were all shape-shifting lizards. So I wonder whether Mr. Bieber is part of this David Icke's conspiracy where they think he's one of these shape-shifting lizard people. So, yes. And you remember there's been everybody from Madonna to Hillary Clinton to Katy Perry, Angelina Jolie, um, members of the royal family are all part of this conspiracy as being lizard shape-shifting people. But the funny part about Justin Bieber's was, listen to the evidence, Tim evidence i say that word lightly here mm-hmm. um so you know we've all heard about Illum- we know the illuminati thing too so that was the product oh. of course uh but justin bieber blinked oddly once on a youtube video in a way that only a lizard can according to commenters and that is why he is a lizard Maybe Justin Bieber had something in his eye. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I told you I get allergies in my eyes and my eyes are puffy and red sometimes. You never know. I get the allergic conjunctivitis thing they tell me about. Maybe he had that going on. But I love that he blinked oddly in a way that only a lizard can. Are there specifications on how lizards blink? I don't know. We'd have to ask David Icke. He seems to be an expert in this uh, in this field. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I just, I mean, I just, that was the part that cracked me up. Not that he, you know, I've heard of the lizard people, as you kind of alluded to. That's not mm-hmm. at all. But that specifically is where they got the idea that Justin was part of them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the whole of that conspiracy theory is odd and wacky to me. I know. But the fact that he just blinked once in a YouTube video, and that's enough, so you know that Justin Bieber is a, is a, is a lizard. You, and, you know, and you know where I think some of this stuff comes from? Yeah. Do you remember in the 80s a TV show, a TV series, miniseries, and then longer series called V? Yes. With Diana and the, the visitors mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yep. I wonder whether people saw that and then either did too many recreationals or had some kind of legitimate problem and somehow referenced that. And that's why they think all these people are shape-shifting lizards. Well, you know, what's interesting. And this is going to, this is me actually going to speak from my brain for once, because I do have a degree in psychology. And one of the main things I learned about was one of the misconceptions in the world is people who are schizophrenic. Um, have multiple personalities. They're two different things. So you can either schizophrenia, which is usually like delusions, and then mm-hmm. there's multiple personality disorder. Do they tend to happen co-morbidly? Yes, they do a lot. But 
schizophrenics don't just have multiple personalities. They're two different things. And the reason I'm going to say that, do you know what one of the most common um, actual symptoms of schizophrenia is? It's this um, it's a delusion of the government being out to get you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these people who and so if you really did think about it, if you had somebody who was, you know, suffering from those types of delusions and they wanted to think the government was sending lizard people out to get you, it probably could easily be associated, especially if they're watching a TV show like that. That kind of, you know, alludes into that somebody who's easily impressionable and kind of like you said with the guy we were talking about earlier. It was kind of sad because he was obviously struggling with a mental break there. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there definitely could be a factor. And there's probably a ton of other TV shows. I mean. There was also that film. Do you remember that film, They Live, with Rowdy Roddy Piper from WWF Wrestling? No, but that was a very specific fact <laughs> from WWF Wrestling. Well, no, Rowdy, Rowdy Roddy Piper liked it, was a, was a, a, acted in some films, but he yeah. was in a film called They Live. And what this film was is that I think it was aliens came down to Earth, and I think they may be lizards or shape-shifting people or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you could only see them. To, if you saw them normally, they'd look like normal people. But if you put these special sunglasses on, they you could see them as alien lizard people. Yeah. And also all advertising, you would see Coca-Cola. But when you put the glasses on, it will be like attack the humans and eat them alive. And it would be that stuff going on. Well, what's interesting, I went and saw that new movie with Ryan Reynolds, Free Guy, and they're at a video game. And the ones who can see the bad stuff happening in the video games are wearing sunglasses. But see? as soon as you took the sunglasses off, couldn't see it anymore. That is a callback to They Live. There we go. And I wouldn't have known that. But yes, you guys heard it here first. Justin Bieber is a lizard. (laughs) Because one YouTube video. But you know what's really sad? So according to the comments, that's what they said. You know, he blinked weird and now he's a lizard. Enough people had to comment that that became actual news so that five years later I could Google it and it would still be out there. Think about that for a second. That's, that's kind of crazy. All right. Sorry, JB. I mean, it's not like I really know anything about your music anyway, but <laughs> I now know you're a lizard. Okay. So we were talking about the whole, since we we're talking about aliens, I'm just going to go to one that is one of the specifics about aliens. So Tom DeLounge from Bleak 182, mm-hmm. um, he believes that, um, he believes that in aliens mm-hmm. and fairly and he believes that the government is tapping his phone and he went on an interview and gave a whole statement about aliens and the government tapping his phone that sounds like a mental break too um he's talked about alien government cover-ups area 51 and his phone being tapped so i'll just get into it a little bit so here's like his actual statements. Here's his on his phone being tapped. Yeah, yeah, I did for quite some time years ago. There's specifically somebody who was gathering 150 hours specifically, 150 hours, everybody, of secret testimony for congressional hearings of government projects in the U.S. Um, secret space program. People from NASA, Rome, the Vatican, you name it, they're all on it. Um, they took 36 hours that summarized the best parts of all the footage. I had it hidden in my house for a period of time. During that time, I was flying this person out along with somebody. He doesn't have the best sentence structure there. That was Warren Von Brandt. I'm not even going to try to say that person. Somebody <laughs> who's a Nazi scientist, right-hand assistant. 
So this guy was a Nazi scientist who was brought over to build Apollo rockets that got us to the moon. And on his deathbed, he told a bunch of stuff and I was flying out there to him. I don't know what that means. And that is why they were recording him. So you want to talk about a psychological break on TV. If that doesn't sound like work spaghetti, I don't know what does. I, w- I would say Tom DeLonge or Longy, whatever his name is. I think he probably needs some help for one. Yeah. But, I mean, the thought of there being aliens is not a huge leap, really. Some, I mean, I, I will, I'm okay I, with aliens. I, 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 will te- I will tell you sometimes I think about this, and it hurts your brain the more you think about it. Okay. So, so we're, on, we're on the Earth that's in, in space, and then space is an infinite vacuum as far as we know. And even, you know, we have probes that are million billions of miles away, and that's not even on the edge of our solar system. So if space is an infinite vacuum, it's not really outside the realms of possibility that there is other life out there. I mean, I have it even more simple, Tim. I believe in aliens because I'm like, why would we be the only species? Like, why? Absolutely. And and the other thing, as far as a government cover-up, again, that doesn't surprise me because the government regardless of any world government knows stuff they're never going to share with you for national security reasons. So even if there is complete evidence of alien life or something like that, the, the world governments probably wouldn't share it with you anyway, because the entire planet would panic. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a combination of things. Uh, and I think that you're right. There's a reason why they might not be sharing it with us. So then he gets into a little bit of the existence of aliens. And here's what he said. Um, two decades ago, when I got into this, it was such the world is flat scenario. But here's Tom running around talking about UFOs and they laughed it off. But now NASA is holding symposiums on the inevitability of finding life in the universe. The Vatican is talking about it. Yes, there's life out there and how it interferes or doesn't interfere with church's views. You have to understand I've been involved with this for a long time. I have sources from the government. I've had my phone tab. I've done weird stuff in the industry. People won't believe and then he just keeps going, um, talking about email chains with hundreds of scientists. So and then he says even he says that Area 51 started the groundwork for it all. I don't know, though. I OK, I believe in aliens, but I don't put too much stock into Area 51. I think that is a I, I think it's just become comical at this point. Like people are gravitating towards it. But I don't believe that that was necessarily an alien stronghold. Place. I mean, it, my my understanding is that Area Fifty One is a military base, a secret military yeah. base where they they have test aircraft and what out have in you. the desert because they yeah, can test I, stuff. I think it's I think it's Groom Lake or Dry Groom Lake or so mm-hmm. that's the actual name of it, but it's known informally as it's Area Fifty One. So they 51. can go out and test stuff and it not affect people. Yeah, and and um, the reason it doesn't appear on any maps or anything because it is a, is a military installation in the same way that if you looked on any map, it's not going to say, "Oh, Army base here." But the interesting thing about Area 51 is that if you stay in Vegas and if you stay in the uh, Luxor, which I've stayed in Vegas, which is the Pyramid Hotel at the very Mm -hmm. south end of the Strip, we stayed there one time and our side of the hotel faced McCarran Airport, which is the main airport in Vegas. And there is a terminal for these aircraft that take the workers to and from Area 51 every day. And they're white aircraft and they have a red stripe down the side. And apart from their registration number, they bear no markings. They don't have any branding or any aircraft name or anything. They're just a white aircraft with a red stripe. 
and if you when you when you um, wake up in the morning the the terminal there is empty and then when you get back to your hotel late at night it's full of 10 12 aircraft so what the, what the area 51 workers do is they report to vegas airport mccarran it flies them into area 51 they do their day of work and then they fl- they're flown back interesting well and and that it, kind of aircraft might look suspicious if you didn't know what you were looking at yeah and it, I, see, I think it's informally known by conspiracy theorists as Janie airways but that's not his real name but if you, if you if you look up on the internet about this area 51 aircraft i've actually got a photograph of the area 51 aircraft it's not terribly good in fact i'll, I'll post it on the instagram so you can uh, so you so you can see it but Again, I think it's just it's just a military installation where stuff goes on that the general public doesn't need to know about. And, you know, and, and it, for some reason, like I said, and if you've ever been near anywhere in Nevada that's near Area 51, like all the stores and stuff play on it. It's like a tourist trap at this point. So, oh, I don't know. absolutely. And, you know, there's there's stories about people who you get within so many miles of Area 51 and, and these these people in hummers come out and hassle you and stuff but i mean that would be the same if you went up to any military base and you're near the perimeter of it i'm sure yes. people are going to hassle you and so, in the same and the same way if you go to the white house mm-hmm. and you get up near the fence there's people with guns because that's what government stuff is well i mean i grew up um in a military family we talked about this i've been on plenty of military bases and no matter who you are or what you got going on when you drive up the first thing you're going to be greeted with is the guard shack that's got two big two guys with two very large guns greeting you to figure out what you want like every military base in the world it's the same deal now they might not specifically have a guard shack because you know they're doing explosives in um, Area 51, but yeah, that's that's pretty commonplace. And it's, it's one of those things I think people see what they want to see. And you know what's probably funny about it all is if we actually found out what they're doing in there, it'd probably be a whole lot more scary than air aliens. <laughs> exactly. I remember there was a quote from Bill Clinton after he'd been president, and they said, uh, Bill Clinton, the average person on the street, how much do they know in percentage-wise about what's going on in the world? And he thought about it for a while, and he said, mm, 1%. And they said, OK, Bill Clinton, as president of the United States, how much did you know? And he said, two percent. That's a fair. That's a that's a great quote, actually. Yeah. All right. We're going to change it up. Or we're going to get away from aliens and all that <laughs> stuff. This, is, this podcast is taken to a conspiracy. So if me and Tim go missing next week, it's because of this podcast. <laughs> right here, guys. You heard it first. They found us. They tapped the lines. <laughs> all right. So. Did Radiohead release a song called Putting Ketchup in the Fridge? Um, it wouldn't surprise me. So the answer is no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> in December 2011, many websites reported that a strangely titled track was a Radiohead demo from the early 1990s and that the singer was definitely undeniably Tom York. Pretty soon after it was revealed that the song was actually a Canadian musician called Christopher Stoppa. I don't know him. And he was slightly surprised by the acclaimed, particularly as he had given up music altogether and became a baker. Oh, (laughs) he's like, you guys didn't care about me back in the day, but now you care about me. (laughs) (laughs) See, I wondered if it was like, I don't know if you remember back early 2000s before we had the itunes store and before streaming and even probably before youtube Mm -hmm. 
if you wanted to get music and you wanted to get in a dodgy fashion, you would use Napster or Grokster or LimeWire or all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Shit. And what happened, I remember Madonna had an album out around that time when all that business was going on. And either she or her record company seeded tracks from this new album on all those services, but it was just Madonna shouting at you and being angry. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that sounds like a Madonna move. Yeah, and I, I remember, I think I remember hearing about it and I, I forget what track it was. And I, I downloaded it on one of these services, allegedly, because of course I didn't do that. And you download it's just Madonna just like being angry never heard you. of you tore it yeah. either. Never heard of it, not once. <laughs> no, I, Joy, I have no idea what you're talking about. But not a clue what that is. <laughs> We're going to go to jail, Tim, after this podcast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I'm looking out my window and I see a black SUV pulling up. Is that bad? Do they have, oh, I was going to say, do they have your trash can? But I don't, the <laughs> podcasters don't know about Tim has a missing trash can at his house at the moment. Yeah. I'd like to just, uh, just put a PSA out for anyone who lives in the, uh, near downtown Christiansburg area. If you've run off with my blue recycling <laughs> bin, I would be glad to have it back. No questions asked. I don't. I don't mind what you've done with it or what you what you're planning on doing with it. Just wheel it back into our little close, and we will <laughs> pretend it never happened. No questions asked. He's not even, <laughs> and you know, he might even give a reward if it doesn't show up soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what. If it, if 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 it does show up, I would be happy to. Uh, Share one of these No Name Music Arts episodes before it posts. There you go. Oh, you get it. Okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> you can even give us a fake name and a fake email. Give us your burner phone number. We don't care. Just give Tim's trash kit back. <laughs> okay. So this one's a little bit more sinister, but it's not related to aliens or the government. So you you know the Ohio players. The they're known for their one hit, the Love Roller Coaster, that was remade, you know, during for um, with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So they sure. had, so they're best known for, and I actually prefer their version way better than the Red Hot Chili Peppers, just personal choice. But it was in 1975. According to the band, in the midway through the song, there is an ear piercing scream. I think you've probably heard it. If you haven't sure. heard it, just go back and listen. You know what I'm talking about. So according to the band, the scream was provided by the piano player, Billy Beck. However, there's a conspiracy that claims the screech is actually the sound of a woman being murdered in the studio when the band was recording. Um, as malicious as theories may be, the Ohio players never debunked the um, theory. And here's why. Drummer Jimmy Diamond Williams would later go on record to say that they never debunked it um, because it was a marketing ploy, an elaborate marketing ploy. And so the band all took a vow of silence to say, never say whether they did or didn't kill a girl for the scream. Oh, goodness me. What a marketing ploy. Because I don't think I'd want my name anywhere associated with that. Like, No, I mean, like Guns N' Roses Rocket Queen. There's a, there's a, there's some sounds in there of Axel allegedly or not allegedly. It's the same kind of thing. Did it happen? Did it happen? Where apparently Le Axel is uh, getting down to business with a young lady in the studio, and then there's sounds of that in Rocket Queen. And some say, was it Axel doing that, or was it not Axel doing that, or was it stock sound effects? And again, they've left that one open. But you know, they're a they're a hard living rock and roll band. But 
having a having a conspiracy theory that you murdered somebody in the studio during Love Roller Coaster. I mean, well, and think about the song. <laughs> we want to ride a roller coaster, baby. Like it's not. It's like an upbeat, happy song. Sure, exactly. <laughs> like I just, I mean, it's like you know, it's a it's a dance floor kind of upbeat, happy song. But yeah, but I just think it's crazy that they actually admitted they did not debunk it because they thought it would help them sell records. That's weird. And what's even weirder is I associate them as pretty much one hit wonders. So maybe it did the opposite. They're like, we're not going to buy your music anymore. You might be a murderer. Yeah. I mean, like if it, if it was Black Sabbath and they said that we were we were doing some satanic ritual in the studio, which if really, if you know the members of Black Sabbath would be ridiculous. But yeah, if they came out and said that that was going on and they left that open for interpretation. You mean you didn't thing, bite not, the heads off the bats? <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, this is this is like a happy love roller coaster song. I know. I read that one. I was like, I can't. I don't know. That just seems like a really bad marketing ploy. And whoever was their PR person, stay away from them because it's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, doesn't that sound like a terrible, like, marketing ploy? All right. So, oh, we're going to talk about the CIA, Tim. Here we go again. Okay. Well, as I said, that black SUV is still outside my window (laughs) and it's not going anywhere. So, uh Let's tread carefully on this one, Joy. Did a wireless <laughs> network pop up on your phone that says CIA workstation? <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you ever, like, connected to someone's Wi-Fi in their house and, like, a neighbor has CIA We did once. We named ours that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was the joke. When I lived in Utah, that was the name of my, and my Wi-Fi. <laughs> It was like CIA band number one or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in an in an airport once and somebody had a hotspot on their phone or a standalone hotspot and it and it was called Do Not Connect, I Will Hack You and it was open. I would have probably tried it. See what well, happens. I, I, it, Tim wasn't brave enough. All right. No. <laughs> so you may have heard this one. Have you ever heard about Bob Marley and the CIA? The, it does ring a bell. Okay, so it's been debunked. So, you know, Bob Marley died in like 80, 81 of brain cancer. Yes. So um, he had melanoma. They found it on his toe. I remember there was like a huge big thing. You know, he died. People were very upset because Bob Marley. So according to a since debunked news story from 2018, Marley's cause of cancer seemed from an elaborate assassination plot instigated by the CIA. Uh, who supposedly pricked Marley with an infected nail, which would ultimately lead to his demise for his support of Democratic Socialist leader Michael Manley. Hmm. I've I think I, I think I've heard something to this effect before. But, well, like Bob, but, Bob, but Bob Marley was just about peace and love and stuff. Well, he was, remember, in 1976, somebody did try to assassinate him once before. That's probably why it's familiar to you. So Marley was the target of a failed assassination by attempted gunmen due to his political leanings. Two of the gunmen claimed they were contracted. There were seven gunmen. And this is actual real thing that happened. Thankfully, it didn't, you know, they didn't kill him. But two of the two of the gunmen were supposedly contracted by the CIA to pull off the hit in exchange for guns and drugs. That's what two of the gunmen said. Now, am I going to trust the guys who are trying to kill people? Probably not. They're going to say whatever they want to say. 
But that's why it sounds so familiar because he actually almost was assassinated in the early in the seventies. Do you know what? I, I actually I can rock and roll connect that to me. Believe it or not. Tim was one of the gunmen. No, no, take that seriously, guys. So <laughs> I used to go to the jam session in the Red Line in Twickenham, and it was like an open mic style thing, much like the Freak Jam is now at yeah. Mr. Bumbles. And there was a guy that used to come down there, and he was a bit of a quirky character. And he came down with a Gibson 335 guitar, which is a, similar to the guitar that Chuck Berry would play with F holes, a big Gibson type guitar. Okay. And what, it was funny because this guitar was called, I forget what his wife's name was. I think his name, wife's name was Christine or something. And he'd replaced the truss rod cover plate instead of just being blank or saying Gibson or whatever, it said Christine too, which was weird. But anyway, it's beside the point. But he had this Gibson guitar and it had a neck break. Now, Gibson guitars are particularly fragile around where the tuning pegs are on the neck. And if you if a Gibson guitar falls over and it hits the neck quite right, the headstock will snap right off. And having a Gibson with a neck repair is pretty common. Lots of okay. people who have gig, gig Gibson guitars having a, a, a neck break on them and having them subsequently repaired is pretty common. Okay. So he claimed that this Gibson 335 used to belong to Peter Tosh, who was in the Whalers. Okay. And he said during that failed assassination attempt, Bob Marley collapsed into stuff, knocked this 335 over where it broke the headstock off, and somehow he now had that guitar. And I have played that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if this story was bizarre fabrication, whether it was the truth, but I sort of have a rock and roll vague connection to this. Well, I didn't know where that was going. I might have accused Tim of being a gunman. Guys, he's not a gunman. But <laughs> <laughs> that was much better. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, that. I mean, you have to wonder, because you never know. He could have just been full of it, or it really could have been the truth. I mean, it seems an elaborate story to make up. And it'd That's be different. why I make that up. And it'd be different. If, you know, if I presented myself as a Bob Marley super fan or something, maybe you'd spin this amazing yarn. But, yeah. You know, at the time, I only I, I knew the name Bob Marley. I didn't really know who Peter Tosh was. Yeah. And I could probably know one Bob Marley song when this happened. I mean, this was probably mid to late 90s, I suppose. I, I mean, I don't know. And it was just, I was, he, the guy was just telling this tale just offhand. Because, you know, like when, when you go to these open mic nights and you get chatting <laughs> with other guitar players, it's very common that you say, oh, that's a Gibson. Oh, that's a music man. Oh, can I try? Sure. And you yeah. play each other's instruments. It's, it's a thing. So I, I was trying this 335 out and then he was telling me the story of its heritage. So I was like, oh, okay. And he said, yeah, flip over. You'll see the repair. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's had a head break. Yeah, because that's when. Blah, blah, Marley, yada, yada. I was like, oh, okay. That's so random, though. Like, that, it, it, it makes me want to believe it's true because what would it have benefited him to tell you that story otherwise? Like, it's just too random. Yeah, exactly. Like, who walks into stores going, this is the guitar from when they tried <laughs> to assassinate? Like, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I, I feel that. Well, Tim, I did not know that that was going to come full circle, but it did. All there right. My favorite, we're going to laugh. We're going to end it with one more fact, Tim. And okay. this is not a fact. It's not even really a conspiracy, but it has David Grohl in it. So I had to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> David Grohl. Whatever. So 
I have a uh, a mixed uh, opinion of Dave Grohl. We're not going to get into, but for some reason, something about him annoys me. That's where we're going with this. Anyway, there's a conspiracy theory that Andrew WK and Dave Grohl are the same person. I've not heard that. I've seen a meme going around that says Dave Grohl looks like the drummer from Nirvana if he shaved his beard off. I have seen that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, hot off the presses there, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that going around, but I have not heard that those two are the same person. And no idea why. I mean, besides they kind of look alike, they got the long hair. And every time I think of Andrew WK, I just think of him in the white shirt with the blood. Yeah, I I don't see. I, I know I know who Andrew WK is, and that doesn't strike me. I mean, I would I'd more say that Dave Grohl looks like Chad Kroger, sort of. Maybe I think it's just the long hair thing. Maybe it could be. It's, it's, it seems a little bit of a tenuous link. Yeah, the 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 documentation says this one doesn't hold much weight outside of maybe they look similar. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently it was enough that people thought they were the same person. And I'm sure if you Googled it, Dave Grohl and Andrew WK have probably been in the same room before, I would think. I would, I would assume so. I mean, that they are both musicians who have existed in the same universe. I mean, I would imagine they've probably shared the bill at a concert or a festival or something, or been in a recording studio together, or been in some industry thing together. I don't know. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Apparently, there's, there's, there's. I googled it, and people are saying. There's more than one Andrew W.K. Anyone who says otherwise is lying or never saw the pictures. And there's a bunch of before and after pictures of Andrew W.K. And they're saying that he's two different people. So apparently Andrew W.K., nobody knows who he is and thinks he's either Dave Grohl or two different people. And the one that they're saying is pre-2005. It's totally, that's Dave Grohl. It's not Andrew W.K. (laughs) in the meme. But that's not. uh, Okay. Well. Yeah, there's whole pages of people investigating the mystery of Andrew W.K. I didn't know there was a lot of mystery around him. No, is that is it like, do you remember Tape Face from America's Got Talent? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, they, this is not a conspiracy because I've seen this, but apparently he got a Vegas show after America's mm-hmm. Got Talent. And there are several Tape Faces, apparently. There's not just one. It's a brand. Oh, okay. Well, that would make sense considering you can only see part of his face. And he's there got the go. eyeliner on. I see. I, I see. I see. And, like, and likewise, hearkening back to WWF wrestling, The Undertaker. I think there was three separate Undertakers during The Undertaker's reign. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I heard that Lassie, when Lassie died, they replaced Lassie with another dog. So why That's not true. people? And also from the Bush's Beans commercial, there has been several Dukes. Well, and then I think you remember the the Taco Bell Chihuahua dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the same one that was Bruiser in Legally Blonde. Wouldn't surprise me. I think it's the same dog. I think there's a whole organization that supplies TV and film animals. Hmm. I wonder if they have to follow like very strict like pet rules like they have to be kept in certain you know what i mean to keep the 
safety of the pets. I think so. I think I, th- I think in the modern era, there are there are certainly very stringent rules when it comes to uh, animals in TV and film productions. I would imagine so. And with that, Andrew WK and Dave Grohl are the same person. And I heard Dave Grohl might have looked like the Nirvana drummer, but, you know. <laughs> I, and also Paul McCartney looks like well, he could have been that one guy in the Beatles. It's possible. They, they look just alike. I've heard that before. Heard that. (laughs) All right. And with that, we'll say goodbye. And me and Tim are back next week. It's because we got arrested. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye bye. (laughs) Too bad we got one. Now that's it. Too bad.